welcome to the 19th edition of HGF's Fashionably IP podcast. My name's Rebecca Field and I'm a chartered trademark attorney at IP law firm HGF and I'm joined by my colleague Lee Curtis, also a chartered trademark attorney at HGF. Hello, in this edition of the Fashionably IP podcast, we're going to be conducting some more interviews, aren't we, Rebecca? Indeed, Lee. Today we have two very special guests. We interviewed Michael Edenbrook AC for our 13th episode of the podcast, when Michael discussed the tricky concept of goodwill in the world of fashion. We also interviewed our HGF colleague Suzanne Moss in our last Fashionably IP podcast, when Suzanne discussed the issues relating to searching for fashion designs. We would strongly recommend you listen to those podcasts if you haven't done so already. However, firstly, let us get through the boring bits, but things that we have to say at the start of all of our podcasts. To be clear, this podcast is not legal advice, and if you have any queries on the points we have raised, please contact us directly at either rfield at hdf.com or lee at alcurtis at hdf.com, or indeed, contact our guest speakers. So who are our special guests, Rebecca, and what are they going to talk about in this episode of Fashionably IP? Well, in this 19th podcast, we are going to talk about our HDF colleague, Lauren Summers and Emma Pallister. Lauren and Emma are going to talk about the fashion trend of quiet luxury and how it impacts IP rights. So not to delay matters, could you introduce yourselves, Lauren and Emma, starting firstly with Lauren. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your career at HGF to date. Thank you very much, Rebecca and Lee, and hello, everyone. I joined HGF in January 2012, right after finishing university as an economics student. I trained with Lee and Rebecca, and during almost the last 12 years, I've helped to grow the teams and HGF's trademark practice in Manchester and Birmingham. Thank you, Lauren. So I will now ask Emma the same question. Tell us a bit about yourself and your career at HGF. Thanks, Lee, and hi, everyone. I've been at HGF five years now after studying law at university and have trained and qualified here too. I've spent the last year as a fully qualified trademark attorney and help clients with all aspects of trademarks and design. So we're going to talk about quiet luxury. I will kick off with the first question. Can you explain, Emma, when we talk about the term quiet luxury, what do we actually mean? Is it truly all about luxury? And how has the trend impacted your buying habits? Thanks, Lee. So... Quiet luxury is essentially a long-term trend that's become more talked about in pop culture recently. It refers to a move away from visible logos or a lot of designer names on items, mainly in fashion but could apply to other areas, and a greater focus on smaller product details and quality. As a trend, it seems talked about a lot in the context of shows like Succession, which portrays a wealthy family but not wearing overtly designer or flashy items. The show has brought about a lot of commentary on social media, and accounts that show the total value of the character's outfits that appear really simply dressed, but quiet luxury is all about more minimal or subtle hints at a higher price tag. And that being said, the trend doesn't necessarily only relate to luxury or high fashion. Um, an example from the high street would be Uniqlo, whose plain crossbody bag is only £15 and has gone viral this year. They're really simple and don't contain any obvious branding that would identify Uniqlo. The success just seemed to be in the simplicity of the design and still being able to spot the bag on others. So Lauren, Emma has explained what the concept of quiet luxury is, but how exactly does it impact IP rights? Thanks, Becky. Well, there's a few things, but the most obvious impact is brands turning towards more minimalist logos. For example, we've seen this with some of the luxury fashion brands such as YSL and Burberry, 
Businesses are also seeking to protect more subtle indicators of origin. So these are typically referred to as non-traditional trademarks and might be the shape of a product, a specific colour, a pattern or even a positional mark. Think of the Christian Louboutin red sole. So this protects a particular colour in a very specific position on a shoe. Or the Tom Ford positioning of the letter T on its glasses. Or the shape of the Christian Dior saddlebag, which has been tried to be protected in various forms by Christian Dior. So these more subtle source identifiers have become more appealing and more important to register for businesses following the fire luxury trend as they try to gain a monopoly over those more subtle indicators of brand origin. It also has a, an impact on the maintenance and enforcement of trademark. So in terms of maintenance, brand owners need to be mindful of the non-use periods. So typically five or three years in some territories where a trademark hasn't been used or a registration hasn't been used for that period of time, it can become vulnerable to cancellation for lack of use. So business is hoping to have the option to flip back to a more fanciful logo once the quiet luxury trend has passed. Should keep that in mind uh, because those, those rights may be vulnerable if the period of non-use has been up to three or five years. And then on the enforcement side of things, minimalist trademarks or these non-traditional trademarks can be trickier to enforce. For example, against dupe products, which may replicate features of that shape or embellishment that have become important to the business. So if the brand owner hasn't registered trademark protection or hasn't been able to secure a registration for these non-traditional trademarks, it could be difficult when it comes to enforcement. And then just thinking about other forms of IP. Designs are great and are typically more suited to quiet luxury and the attempt to protect the look of a product or a part of it. But the difficulty is that designs are subject to novelty conditions. So in the UK and the EU, we have a grace period. You can put a design out on the market and still have a year to validly register them. But when that grace period has passed, any registration that you may still be able to secure because there's no substantive examination in the UK and the EU, it could be challenged. And if that earlier disclosure is located, the registration could be considered invalid. So that's the tricky bit with designs, the um, the novelty requirement. And that's when people, if the, the particular indicating feature has been on the market for over a year, would start to look to trademark protection. So Emma, Lauren has given various examples of applications and registrations which touched on quiet luxury. Can you talk about the Maison Margiela trademark? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Becky. So um, this is quite a good example of a trademark application in the quiet luxury space. So Maison Margiela applied for an EU trademark that was essentially a sequence of numbers from 0 to 23. So set out zero, one, two, three, and so on. And they use this this sequence, this this trademark on things like labeling um, and visible on the products on things like the tongue of trainers. And like I said, they applied for this as an EU trademark, but were refused on the basis that the trademark, being the sequence of numbers in order, wasn't considered distinctive enough to be accepted for registration. The EU IP office felt that when this was applied to products and services within fashion and retail that Maison Margiela had, had applied for, the trademark would not be easily recognised by the relevant public as a distinctive sign, but would instead likely be seen as a non-distinctive sequence of numbers. So nothing more than the sum of its parts, basically. 
And they said that customers are used to long sequences and numbers on code tags, invoices, and catalogs. And they're not brands in themselves, but numbers for, for admin purposes. But if this was an extensively used logo by the brand, which I do believe it is, the brand could look to file evidence of acquired distinctiveness through use and argue that customers will now identify that number sequence as exclusive to the brand and not a generic, non-distinctive element. I don't think they had to look to do this yet. They just received the refusal. It would be unusual for a label to contain that specific sequence of numbers. So they could be in with a chance, but the EU office without any evidence um, didn't make that distinction um, and did feel like it was non-distinctive on the face of it. So Lauren, can you provide us with some key takeaways when considering quiet luxury and its protection via IP rights? Yeah, sure. So the first thing to say is to consider all forms of IP protection available. Um, you know, think about how long has a feature that you've been looking to protect been on the market? Is it less than a year? If so, design protection may be a great first port of call. For trademarks, you have to think about would it be possible to register the mark given the current practices at the IP offices and, you know, they each have different inclinations on these non-traditional marks. You can also consider, as Emma mentioned, whether there'd be a claim for acquired distinctiveness or has the feature that you're looking to protect now become known as being associated with your business in particular among consumers because of the use that you've made of it. This may be more difficult because due to the nature of being more subtle, relating evidence of use of these signs in the quiet luxury space and their recognition by consumers could be more difficult. So keeping a record of any news features, social media mentions, and anything else that indicates that that particular source identifier is recognised as such by the public would be invaluable if you're looking to go down this route. So having this kind of checklist or set of questions, when was the design feature or trademark created, first put on the market, and how has it been received would be helpful for any business looking to protect their IP in this current quiet luxury trend, as well as keeping good evidentiary records. You know, this this type of log or evidence bundle would also be useful if you ever needed to go down the route of relying on unregistered forms of IP protection, such as goodwill and passing off rights, unregistered design rights, if these are available, and copyright. Essentially, though, being aware of what is being used to identify your brand in this quiet luxury trend, if these elements are more subtle, noticing when these depart from the norm in the sector, and at least going through the process of, of questioning what IP could be appropriate uh, is, is key in this uh, quiet luxury trend. Thank you very much, Lauren and Emma, for answering our questions on this podcast. We hope that everyone's enjoyed this 19th Fashionably IP podcast and more will follow in the months to come. Please do feel free to share this podcast and also rate it on the various platforms. And also do go back and have a listen to our back catalogue. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Bye.